0: Remember what you said, you'll return that I might live in my
1: Father's house. To receive the different degrees of grace in the saints whose histories are recorded there for our learning? the difference between faith and knowledge at one time or another. An example of this would be Peter, who at times was so right, but then at other times was so wrong. There were times in Peter's experience and walk with the Lord where he was very strong, but then also there were times when Peter had become very weak.
0: Living by faith doesn't mean life will be easy. In fact, You see countless times in the Scripture where following the Lord is extremely difficult, and that can cause your faith to seem much weaker at times. But don't despair. Pastor Mike shares today that you also see throughout the Bible examples of God's grace being sufficient in moments of weakness, as well as in moments of strong faith. Jesus is all you need, all the time, in every situation. Turn to Him every day, every moment, and let Him be enough. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 with today's edition of In My Father's House.
1: Peter says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. And gang, listen, if you're going to grow, you must have food, manna from heaven. And what is that? Well, it's a reference to, it's just another way to refer to the word of God. Eating the word of God, studying the word of God, being in the word of God regularly, seeking God's purposes in it. His plan for your life. Receiving counsel and instruction from the Word of God. So what does that take? you got to spend time. you got to make that kind of a commitment. You need to discipline yourself. You need to spend time with God regularly. And if you do, your life will flourish. And you can be sure your joy will increase. But here's the question. How much of you does Christ actually have at this moment? Are you continuing to be a babe? Or are you growing and abounding in His marvelous grace? You know, it would be good to ask yourself this question from time to time. You know, just to make sure that you're progressing in your relationship, and your walk with the Lord. Now, finally, I want you to notice how Peter, let's go back to our text, closes out his epistle. And he says, To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And what a wonderful way to conclude this epistle for that matter, anything. You say, what am I referring to? I mean, listen, when we lay our head down upon our pillow, we're about to go to sleep, and we're reflecting back upon the course of our day, at night while we're there lying in our bed, can we honestly say that everything that we did that day was done to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ? And listen, anything less is wasted time. In your home, at work, at school, in all of your associations? And most importantly, what will you say at the end of your life? Will you be able to say with Peter that to him be glory both now and forever? Amen. Listen, such an experience demands a full commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So once again, let me pose that question to you. Do you belong entirely to Jesus? Is your life and everything that you have and own really His? If not, come to Him now. Don't delay. Surrender all. Let Him unfold to you a brilliant future filled to overflowing with His greatness and blessing. Forget the past, you know, all of your accomplishments, your sins, whatever. You know, today is a new day in Christ. Start living anew with the Lord Jesus. Give yourself wholly to Him. Now, we're going to revisit the final, last verse, here in chapter 3, in verse 18, in just a moment. And we're going to be discussing the subject of, which I think is a very significant and important one, growing in the grace of God. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18. Here we're exhorted by Peter in his concluding message, his final Charges and exhortations. He says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Now, the subject that we are about to treat is something that should be deeply interesting to all Christians. Here's the question Are we growing in grace? Are we making progress going forward? These were the concerns of Peter in these final charges of his here in his epistle. So, to everyone who is downright earnest about their soul, who hungers and thirsts after spiritual life, these questions should hit home with searching power. You know, surely it becomes us from time to time to examine ourselves, to take that account of our souls. And ask ourselves that question, are we getting on, going forward, in spiritual things? Are we growing in grace? Now, in considering this subject, there are two things which I wish to bring forward and establish. The first of which is the reality of Christian growth. In other words, there is such a thing as growing in grace, and that's the subject that we're going to be tackling. And the next, the means of Christian growth, the means used by those desire to grow in grace. Okay, so the first point I want to propose to establish this evening, there is such a thing as growth in grace. Now, not to be confused, when I speak about growing in grace, I do not mean for a moment that a believer in Christ can grow any more in safety, acceptance with God, or security. I do not mean that he can ever be more justified, pardoned, forgiven of his sins, more at peace with God than he is the first moment he believes. That is, on his conversion experience. You see, the justification of a believer is a finished and complete work. And the weakest saint, though he may not know it or feel it, is as completely justified as the strongest of saints. So, our election, our calling and standing in Christ, amid of no degrees. You know, Paul put it this way, writing to the church at Colossae, in the book of Colossians in chapter 2, in verse 10, in the first part of that verse, he says, every believer is complete in Christ. The idea here is that nothing can be added to his or her justification from the moment he or she believes, and nothing can be taken away. Okay, So, when I speak of growing in grace, I only mean that is in the degree, in the size, in the strength, in the vigor and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in a believer's heart. And I believe that every one of those graces, admits of growth, progress, and increase. Now, what graces am I referring to? What are we talking about here? Well, the graces of, for example, repentance. You know, repentance really isn't a one-time kind of a thing. You know, after we give our lives to Christ and we've asked Him to forgive us of our sin, that act of repentance, we are to continue to walk in that attitude of repentance. Because, listen, that's not going to be the first or the last time that we sin going forward. So it's really sort of like a lifestyle that we live. We continue to walk in repentance. So that's one of the graces that I'm referring to. Faith. Our faith is hopefully continually growing. Our hope our love, our humility, our zeal, our courage, you know, all of these things. And the like may be little or great. They may be strong or weak. They vary greatly in the same man at different periods of his life. You know, there's been times in my own personal experience where I've been very strong in my faith, and then there have been other times where I've been very weak in my faith. So when I speak of a man growing In grace, I mean simply this, that his sense of sin is becoming deeper, his faith stronger, his hope brighter, his love more extensive, his spiritual mindness more marked, he feels more of the power of godliness in his own heart, and he manifests more of it in and through his life. He was going on, as the Bible puts it, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. From grace to grace. So listen, describe it any way that you like, but here is an individual who is growing in grace. And I hope that's your testimony as well. I mean if words in the Bible mean anything at all, there is such a thing as growth, and believers ought to be exhorted to grow. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. But like for example, in Second Thessalonians in chapter one and verse three, there Paul writing to the church is exhorting them, and he declares, your faith groweth exceedingly. So he takes special note of that. Uh, another cross-reference, in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, in verse 10, there he commends the church at Thessalonica concerning brotherly love, and he says, we beseech you that you increase more and more. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, in the book of in chapter 1, in verse 10, in the form of a prayer, he prays, that they would increase in the knowledge of God. Another cross-reference in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 3, in verse 12. There, Paul also, the writer, says, the Lord make you increase in love. Ephesians 4, in verse 15, he's exhorting the church, Paul that is, and he says that you may grow up into him in all things. And then, of course, as a part of our text, here in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18, he exhorts us, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, all of these verses establish the doctrine for which I contend growth in grace is a subject that is taught and encouraged in the Bible. Now, the other ground on which I build the doctrine of growth and grace is the ground of fact and experience. Think about this. Let me ask you a question. As we read the New Testament, as we go through the New Testament scriptures, do we see the different degrees of grace in the saints whose histories are recorded there for our learning? The difference between faith and knowledge at one time or another. An example of this would be Peter, who at times was so right, but then at other times was so wrong. There were times in Peter's experience and Walk with the Lord where he was very strong, but then also... There were times when Peter had become very weak. So the scripture distinctly recognizes the degrees of faith, weak and strong. Let me give you an example of this in 1 John chapter 2 in verses 12 through 14, describing Christians in their levels of growth, and all of us go through a process whereby we continue to grow in our relationship with God right after our conversion experience. So let's go ahead and read that text, First John chapter two, verses twelve through fourteen. And as we move through it, I want you to take note of the different categories or the different levels of growth, the different levels of faith and experience. So, First John chapter two, verses twelve through fourteen. There, John declares, "I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake." So, this little children would fall into the category of brand new of believers, babes in Christ. I write to you, fathers, those who have undergone an experience, who have been walking with the Lord for a while, or seasoned Christians. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him, who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, that's another category of Christian, who have gone through an experience, and they're walking their relationship with the Lord. They're growing up, they're maturing, they become young men. He says, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you. Notice, they become strong because of the fact that the Word of God abides in them. In other words, they gave themselves to the study of the Word of God. And you have overcome the wicked one. So once again, take a look at the different levels of growth here in this text of Scripture. You have newborn babes in Christ, you have little children, you have young men, and then lastly, you have fathers. So, growth in grace is a very real thing, and infinite importance to our souls, for several different reasons why. Let me go through some of those reasons why with you. For example, first of all, let us know then that growth in grace is the best evidence of spiritual health and prosperity. I mean in all things a child a plant we are well aware of the fact when there is no growth something is wrong a healthy life will always show itself by progress and increase and so it is with our souls if there are if we are progressing and doing well then we will grow the second reason why that this is so very important. Furthermore, let us know that growth and grace is one way to be happy in our Christianity. You know, God in his wisdom has linked together our joy and our comfort and our increase in holiness. He has graciously made it our interest to press on and aim high in our Christianity, to pursue holiness, to pursue purity. You see, there can be a vast difference between the amount of enjoyment which one believer has in his experience compared to another. And ordinarily, the person who feels the most joy and peace in believing has the clearest witness of the Spirit in his heart is the man who is going forward, is the man or woman who is growing in grace. Let me give you another reason why this is so important. Growth in grace is one secret of usefulness to other people. You see, our influence on others for good depends greatly on what they see in us. People measure Christianity by what we do, what we say. And the Christian who is always at a standstill, who is not growing, not triumphing over sin, is seldom a Christian who does much good. But then on the other hand, the man or woman who shakes and stirs minds and sets the world thinking is the believer who is continually improving and going forward. Because men think that there's life and reality when they see growth. That's the conclusion that they come to. Another reason why this is so important. Let us also know that growth in grace pleases God. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. Like, for example, in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, verse 1, where we are being exhorted to grow in our relationship. Paul there writes, finally, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more. Just as you have received of us, you ought to walk and to please God. Notice there the connection between growing in grace in these virtues and pleasing God. Another cross-reference in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 13, in verse 16. There the writer exhorts us, but do not forget to do good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. You see the connection between the two. And then lastly, probably one of the more familiar to you, John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 8. John 15 is the, the vine and the branch chapter. He says, Jesus himself says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so my Father in heaven is glorified, that you will be my disciple. So let us also know that growth in grace pleases God. You see, the Lord takes pleasure in all of his people, but especially in those that are growing in their experience. And then also let us know, above all else, that growth in grace is not only a thing that is possible, we've already uh, addressed that, but it is a thing for which believers are accountable. We are responsible to grow. Think about this. To tell an unconverted man who doesn't have any aptitudes towards spiritual things, the natural man who isn't born again, to tell an unconverted man who is dead in their sins and trespasses to grow in grace would doubtlessly be absurd. But to tell a believer who has been quickened and made alive by the Spirit of God to grow is only summoning him to a plain scriptural uh, duty. You see, he has a new principle within him, and it is a solemn duty not to quench it. And listen, folks, uh, let me give you an incentive for this. There's a lot at stake if we don't give ourselves to that occupation, that we don't apply ourselves to growing in the grace of God, because the neglect of growth robs us of the privileges that God has made available to those of us who are committed to that occupation. It also grieves the Holy Spirit. I know how that we need the Holy Spirit functioning and working, anointing us, you know, working uh, behind the scenes in our lives. It grieves the Holy Spirit, and it causes the wheels of our souls to move more slowly, more heavily. Okay, so, with that said, let me pose this question. If we're not growing in grace, well then, whose fault is it? Well, you can't lay the blame on uh, God. For example, a couple of cross-references. We are told just the opposite. In James chapter 4, verse 6, there we are told that God delights to give more grace. So there you have it. You know, if we make our appeal unto God for His grace, He will be more than willing to dispense it. And then we go back day by day. You know, we go the first day, we ask God for His grace to just get us through the course of our day. He does. We use it. And then we go back the following day for more grace so that we contend with the issues and situations of that day. And and it's just a, a continuing process day by day. He delights to give more grace. Let me give you another cross-reference from the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, in chapter 35, and verse 27. There we are told, He hath pleasure in the prosperity of His servants. That's you. That's me. God wants us to prosper. Well, anyway, the fault, no doubt, is our own if we're not growing in grace. We ourselves are to blame and no one else if we do not grow. With God's help, let us apply ourselves to learning of and growing in this grace of God. Let's take a look at those final charges of Peter here in his second epistle, chapter 3 and verse 18. Peter there exhorts us, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I propose all of us to consider the means that must be used by those who desire to grow in the grace of God. And listen, you know, this is a point, I fear, which is too overlooked by many believers. I mean, many admire growth in grace in other people and wish that they themselves were like them, but they seem to suppose that those who have grown in grace, that they have become who they are on the basis of some special gift that's been given to them and given to them only. Like it's sort of a part of their calling. Or it's a very specific grant that has been given them and only them. In my Father's house There's a place for
0: me In my Father's house Where I love have been listening to In My Father's House, a ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike Penezio. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 2 Peter, there are two obvious themes, maturity and growth. As difficult as those two things can be, they're necessary as a believer in Jesus. After all, they're stepping stones to holy living. What is holy living? It's setting yourself apart from all that is worldly and living into all that is pure and good. Jesus knew this wouldn't be easy on your own, so the Holy Spirit was given to help guide you through the growing pains. If you're wrestling with growing in the ways of Jesus, you're not alone. If you're struggling to obtain maturity as a Christian, you're not alone in that either. This life isn't easy, and the world constantly throws temptations. But lean into Jesus, cast your cares on Him, and don't give up. You can do it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Venezio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If so, you can do this securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House.